0: I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stalk to the beat of my own drum. I got my pockets full of dreams
1: in the bustin'
0: at the seams going. Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse. This is a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that make us all feel encouraged, want to hear what makes these women passionate to get up in the morning, or what maybe they wish they'd known a little bit earlier in their lives, grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. Stomp to my own do
1: is count one, two, three, do my own drum. Whatever you do, it ain't nothing on me, cause I'm doing my thing.
0: I'm really excited today because I haven't had a lot of relatives on the podcast. Today I welcome Sonia Deese farrell I'm really excited to have you here, Sonia. So welcome. Oh, I'm excited. Thank well, you. Appreciate it. This is gonna be fun. Sonia does a lot of things that I live through her vicariously. And so today I want to kind of introduce the listeners to to you and some of the passions and dreams that you're living out. But Sonia, if somebody asked you today, who who exactly is Sonia Farrell? Who are you professionally? Who are you personally? What would your answer be?
1: Um a crazy regular person. <laughs> Yeah, professionally uh, i haven't worked like outside the home since probably i uh owned a preschool which was very challenging and exciting and, and most wonderful at the same time um we were a christian based preschool so i think the most exciting part about that was to hear when my kids became christians probably the most phenomenal thing to yeah. um, make an impact for sure. Of. um Yes, and um, you know, raising my girls and just uh being involved with well, our last farm, we rescued horses, and I'm just an animal people well, maybe kid person, I don't know about adults all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh. <laughs>
0: All right. So you guys have lived on a farm. You lived on a farm in Georgia and now you have moved and (laughs) completely changed who I think of you as. So let's, let's start in Georgia. What were y'all doing in, in Georgia and um, with the horses and that kind of, kind of life?
1: Yeah. So the last four years, um, my husband and I bought a farm in uh, South Georgia, uh, very hot. We did not know it was so hot, even though I was born and raised all over Georgia. Um, He is a veteran and he has PTSD. So we thought, you know, what greater thing to do than get people with PTSD or any other mental health issues, anxiety, doesn't matter uh, what it is. Or even their family members or their friends that are dealing with that along with them and get their hands on some horses. Um horses are very intuitive, um just like dogs are, but I think they're a bit more just because they are they still have more of their wild instinct than our dogs do mostly um, so, and they can read you like a book in an instant, and whatever you give them, they're gonna give back to you. Oh, wow, and it's it's a, it's kind of amazing, you know anyone that it's just under some stress or whatever, if you just get your hands on an animal, you'll be amazed how much it will help.
0: You you mentioned the PTSD and talk to me a little bit about that. I know that a lot Mm -hmm. of people know just from what they hear on the news or it becomes kind of a catchphrase or you know, whatever, but, but you've really dealt with that up close and personal. So can you talk a little bit about that and then and then how the, the horse farm really helped there?
1: Yeah. Um in the beginning, well, my husband was on uh four deployments in our first eight years of marriage. And uh, this coming well, actually we're in February, so we've been married 16 years this month. Um, and when he came home at first, it, it was kind of low-key because he was going through a transition with the army to retire. So he was only home on the weekends. Um, but the <laughs> the first real like uh I guess introduction was one night he was sleeping and he just started, I guess like having a nightmare or whatever, but then he ended up hitting me just because I was there. It wasn't like intentional. He was asleep. He didn't even know he had done it. Um which a lot of people don't understand, you know, that soldiers don't sleep a lot, a lot when they come home because of having to relive those memories and those nightmares that they went through um but when he came home full time it and we still deal with it today um sometimes he's like angry but like doesn't even know that he's angry Mm -hmm. um like he'll be just I will say like kind of like stomping around or whatever and I'll just be like you know are you okay um or did I do something to set you off? You you just never know. And of course he always says no, but it's probably really me. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, it, we tried to get him a service dog to help with his PTSD because he had, um, an anxiety attack one day and thought he was in a heart attack and he was at work. So he went to the VA Um, the dog just, it didn't work out with our other, other dogs. Um, and then we, uh, my daughter and I saw this Clydesdale for sale online and we're like, Oh man, that'd be perfect for dad because he's like big and bulky and slow. He, you know, he trots five steps and he's done. And so we went and got him (laughs) and brought him home. That's
0: kind and of a long-term life. commitment. And here Sonya. you
1: go. <laughs> I mean, that's a long-term commitment. When I found and, out how long um,
0: horses live, this is a commitment.
1: Yes. And um well, part of the reason we moved is because in South Georgia it was so hot that the Clyde Stale, his name is Captain Max, um, started having some breathing issues. And we were like, you know, we'd rather sell our farm than sell our our pet. Um, you no, know. um. But yeah, Brian, um, you know, he'll just go out there and brush him and just hang out with him. He hasn't rode him in a while with all the moving and and everything. Um. But yeah, he'll just go, and it, it's amazing to see how he's. We'll just say agitated or whatever, and then he'll come back, and you know, and he's a lot calmer. Um Is not. I guess not ready to be part of the family is the right words. I don't know what you would say, but like he's just more involved once he comes back from seeing his horse. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So it's kind of just a way to to work through some feelings that it's very hard for somebody who hasn't had the military background and, and the experiences to even go into the realm of understanding. And they don't know how to take you there either, right? So it's kind of like it's easier to deal with an animal than it is a person.
1: Right. Exactly. Because, you know, there'll be sometimes I'll just look at him and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's so mad. And I'll, I'll ask him, like, are you okay? Are you upset? And he's like, no, why? And I'm like, to me just like his body cues and his the way his facial expressions are you know that's that's how he looks and that's the vibe he's given off. Yeah. So you just you never really know. Um and sometimes I think he just doesn't want to talk about it, which is okay, you know? Yeah. And we ha we personally have six horses right now. So he just goes and hangs out with them Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Now, y'all started some programs with
0: for some other people too. You didn't just make this about y'all and your family, but you you had some camps and some sessions and some things for other people. So, how ha- talk to me about that?
1: Sure. Um, we did um kids camp if you were uh special needs or you know we're dealing with PTSD. I mean, children can have PTSD too. Um, you're always Free to come out and groom the horses and learn how to work with the horses. Even if you don't ride the horse, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I got to get on the back of this horse. That really is not the connection. The connection starts on the ground, and you getting that horse to trust you because they can sense if you're nervous, if you're scared, you know whatever is going on. And once you get the horse to Maybe maybe it's actually for us to understand the horse, not the horse to understand us. <laughs> oh,
0: there you go. Um,
1: it, it yeah, it's it's just amazing because they, you know, if you're upset or whatever, they're kind of like, okay, I don't want you to really touch me right now, but I'll stand here with you, you know. Um, and the the kids, they they did great. We had um, one of our kids she uh she had like high functioning autism and let me tell you i was amazed at how well like she connected with the horses and she just it was amazing you know um and the horses just a lot of times with an adult <laughs> the horses are like i am so not doing what you're telling me to do and i'm just going to go you know walk over here or whatever um and the kids would get on them and the, they the horses would just drop their head and just walk really slow it, it, they just know what's what's going on it's amazing
0: That is. Um, there's a lot of research that backs that up yeah. too i mean there's a tremendous amount that's yeah. gone into that so it's not just a you know whim that it it happens in one person, right. one situation.
1: Exactly. And, and I mean, people hear it sometimes and they're like, yeah, whatever. That's probably not really true. But it, when you see it with your own eyes, it's, it's incredible. And the reason we started um, doing things like that is during one uh, after one. Well, sorry, my dog's playing with me. No, uh, I hear a little squeaky toy. We got a dog in the room. <laughs> Yeah. after Brian came home from one of his deployments, Carmen had found it's called Saratoga war horse. So it's um, in New York. And I think they have a place in Aiken, South Carolina now also, and it's free. So she signed her dad up for it and they flew him. Yeah. he's <laughs> like, we're taking you to the airport. You going to a horse program. He's like, what? I don't know about horses. Uh, that's <laughs> like oh, It's okay. You will when you're done. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they um they fly the veterans up there and they spend a the weekend. Um they even had to put up the own round pen to work with the horse in there. And um it was all ground what we call groundwork, so they never got on the horse's back. And um the ultimate goal when you're working with a horse is you rub his head when you're done and you turn around and walk away and the horse will follow you. That means you've become his herd leader. Um, and he was so excited. He was able to accomplish that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, he was there. Yeah. I mean, that's really
0: breaking and a person down who has been in charge and in control. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's sounds like it would be very monumental um for him and then for you guys yeah. all right something else oh, that struck yeah. me there Sonia that I, I have to say is that um this the girls I mean Brian is not their biological dad but they have really I mean to say hey guess where you're going and this is for your benefit and this is what's happening <laughs> so uh, that's pretty amazing to me that that they are that um tied in and invested So I bet that kind of thrilled your heart.
1: Oh yes. Oh yes. It's, um, actually when we moved to Ellaville, um, that's where in South Georgia where we had our other farm, we didn't tell anybody when we got there that we were a a blended family and it's amazing. Well, even when we moved to Clarksville in in North Georgia, yeah. They were like, Oh, well, Melissa and Carmen must be your daughters and Janie must be his daughter. (laughs) and we're like okay yeah when they found out we're like no they're all mine and they're like they couldn't believe it but yeah and ellenville it's just funny to see how people try to figure out your family dynamic yeah and um yeah they were all amazed like that the girls were not his they yeah because
0: he's very very much involved in their lives and and has been but yes. um
1: but that's like,
0: take. okay, now he was military when you guys met, right?
1: Yes, he was actually in training to go to Iraq um, when we like officially started dating. He was a recruiter when we met. And then when we officially started dating, yep, he, was, he was getting ready to deploy. And wow. we got married during, <laughs> during that training. And our first year, we were, saw each other for 10 days.
0: Yeah. Hey, that's either a way to really make one last or, or not. And obviously it's, right. it's lasted. Um, so did that just terrify you? I mean, a lot of times we have in our mind what we intend to do and be, and, you know, the family we're going to have and the careers and, but you just signed up for something that could be very terrifying,
1: was it? Um, no it's crazy because I had been a single parent for so long. So it was like, I was still a single parent because he, he didn't live in the household before he left because he was in training at Fort Stewart. Um, but I got angry. I don't know why I was just like, how can you like, you know, go off and go to war and be a Christian and this and that. And, um, it was, it was intense. Like I tell him, I'm like, honey, I'm so sorry. I like, I wrote this bad letter and I put it in the mail to you. And I'm so sorry. Cause it's got all these questions, you know, like how can you be doing this? And, and it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, you left me alone. I just was in my mind trying to understand the connection between being a Christian and war. And I did start reading my Bible again, but you know, our God, is i mean he's a god of war also and you know we're just trying to do what is right to the best of our abilities and that's what he was trying to do and so needless to say i apologize a whole lot (laughs) for some of the letters
0: (laughs) yeah but gosh that is some communication and i mean um so was Brian pretty strong in his faith and he had already worked out those questions for himself. And so he was kind of able to work with you in that exploration or was this something y'all had to explore together?
1: Um, we kind of, because of the communications on the first deployment, they were not like they are today. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like you could just hop on him or call or, or whatever. So um, it was, he always answered my questions. And if he didn't know the answer, then he would say, I don't know, which was great because he was honest. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, he had a great chaplain that he could talk to during those times. And we, we worked through it through letters because that's what we had.
0: Yeah. That's pretty spectacular. Um, so let's, let's jump back just a little bit. As far as I can remember in childhood, you were always around horses. Um, you got to have the horses and we didn't, we didn't know anything about it. And so you would kind <laughs> of expose us a little bit, but but you pretty much grew up having a horse in your front yard.
1: Just about like, I can remember, you know, I was the kid that didn't have an imaginary best friend. I had an imaginary black horse and his name was Midnight, and he ran beside the car everywhere we went. <laughs> <And> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Until I talked to my parents into finally getting me a pony, I had friends that had horses. Yeah. So I was lucky in that way. And in sixth grade, they finally bought me Daisy, my Pinto pony, and told me, this is just like when you get a car. We buy you your first one from now on. It's all on you.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And that, like I said, when I found out how long they live, that's like a commitment for a really, really long time. So how did you handle it as a sixth grader?
1: Oh, my gosh. It was the best thing ever. Um, You know, I babysat, did whatever I could do to earn money to buy the extra things that I wanted for for my pony. Like they, they bought the food, you know, the, like the necessities. Um, and I remember to this day, I can see it clear as day. Um, the lady where I had my pony, she went to church with us and I needed a saddle. So she told me she would take me to the Pony express sale and we could get a saddle. I was like, hot dog. Yeah. I (laughs) saved up my money. I had $60, $60 and um we looked at all the the saddles when we got there and stuff and and there was this little cute black and brown saddle and it had like little covers over the stirrups I'm like that's the saddle that I want and of course I was too young to bid so she bid on it and it got to like 50 dollars on the bid and she's like are you sure and I'm like yes ma'am so they got to 60 and I was like oh no you know the 60 was my last bid and I, I was just Terrified I wasn't going to get that little saddle. And luckily, nobody else did. And I still have that saddle today.
0: Aw, that's <laughs> sweet. That's sweet. And all your moving, I can't believe you held on to it. So that's pretty impressive.
1: Right? <laughs> I remember at Thanksgiving one time, the one of Grandma's friends had those white ponies in the pasture. And he had told me I could ride and I was like okay cool and everybody's there for Thanksgiving and uh you and Jeff and <laughs> I know we were going. in the pasture and I had to run into the house <laughs> yeah and I was like do not get on this pony till I get back and what did y'all do got on, got the-, on the
0: pony
1: and you fell off yeah and you hurt your hand
0: <laughs> that horse stepped on my hand and um and Jeff standing there going don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. My hands falling off. Don't <laughs> tell anybody. And I mean, and and I know how old I was, Sonia, which is even more embarrassing because I had a ring that I got when I was sixteen, and I had that ring on, so I was sixteen. I should have known better. <laughs> I was at least sixteen. So well, you,
1: that's funny. you were probably like, oh, you know, because I'm the the youngest cousin. I know like, I she, she can do what I can do it. About.
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, but you know, the thing is, I mean, that was um, that put us outside a lot. And so being with horses took you outside as a kid. And and I've heard parents say you get a horse and you keep the teenager out of trouble. And, um, you know, did you did you, right. did you find exactly. that? I mean, your responsibilities kind of took you away from some of the things that, you shouldn't have been involved in if you know, at that age. So did yeah, you find that
1: true? Absolutely. You know, I did, I was involved in Girl Scouts. I was on swim team, hadn't had the horses, you know, and I, I, ne- I didn't have time to get in trouble. Yeah. You know, so I had practice, I had meetings and, you know, as soon as I got done with that, I mean, all I could think is like, uh, I just need to hurry up and get to the barn. You know, and I, and I, sometimes I was there by myself, didn't bother me a bit, me and my pony, and we were great together. <laughs> That's good. And my girls. yeah, that that was one of the things that I remember growing up is my parents always had me involved in things. So I always had my kids involved in things because they didn't have time to get in trouble. Yeah. And, yeah, and you kinda,
0: you're involved, <laughs> yeah you're involved in in activities and those become your peer groups and when they're involved like swim team and things like that you wind up really knowing who those other people are um, because you're spending a lot of time together Um, so all right now you ended up one of your girls also loves horses I remember yeah. taking her horse to college. That was probably the funniest thing to me. Of like, you're doing what? Um, most of us are worried about, you know, the microwave or the, you know, are we going to take, you know, this cushion or that couch? And she's figuring out how to take her horse. So
1: go down that right. road for me. Um. So her when she was at Berry College, we uh, borrowed a trailer. Like someone had given her a thoroughbred. Um, so we borrowed a trailer, um, her friend at the time let us use, well, he drove, you know, used his truck, got the horse there. The horse was so great. Like he had to wait on the trailer until Carmen got done with class. Um, so we could get him in the barn and it was awesome. And then on the way home, the truck broke down. Oh no, <laughs> at least the yes. horse wasn't there. Exactly. But, um, I mean, she's had a horse at college quite a bit. So Berry College is in Georgia. I mean, at that time we lived in, uh, North Georgia, Northeast Georgia. So we just had to take the horse to Northwest Georgia, you know, that wasn't bad. Um, and then we moved to Ellaville and she, Ellaville, Georgia, sorry. And then she went to college in uh, Missouri at Truman State University. So she found a transport. So there's all kinds of horse transporters out there. She found a horse transporter that would let her rent his whole trailer. So the front part of the trailer, we packed all her stuff. (laughs) The back part of the trailer contained her horse. (laughs)
0: All right. So why, why is it that important to take a horse with you? What did it mean to her? I mean, she was, was she on the the team, the equestrian team and things like that? Or was it just, this was her passion?
1: Yeah. um, Well, it's her passion, but she wanted to be on the equestrian team, but unfortunately um, she was a music major and she didn't end up having time to be on the team. But uh, it, again, it is such a stress relief. I mean, she would be in class all day. She would be in her band when you're a music major, like you have regular class and then you have all your music classes too. Yeah. And she has all her practices and private lessons. So she would go to the barn at like nine, 10 o'clock at night and stay out there for a while. She told me the other day that there would be some nights that she would wake up at two or three o'clock in the morning, and couldn't sleep. So she just got up go to the barn. And if she hadn't had him there, I think she would have really just been totally stressed out with college.
0: Yeah. I know that in some college situations, they've, um, they introduced bringing dogs to the library and, you know, the oh, kids cool. could, could come in and especially during exam weeks and the you know, real stressful times. And I, you know, I've, I've had the conversation of some, with some people of my, my kids got dogs and. They got them when they were in college and, and, um, people will say, well, they shouldn't, they shouldn't do that. They have so much responsibility, but I I'm with you. I, I think that mine would have had some real mental breakdowns if they hadn't had something to just pour themselves into and love unconditionally. Yes, love. Uh,
1: exactly. And you know, the horse was there when I couldn't be too, because she, yeah. was, we were in South Georgia, you know, she's in Missouri and just knowing that she had a horse, I mean, you can't call it a someone, but, she, but it is, Yeah. <laughs> you know, she had to, well, to my girls will choose she, their animals.
0: My girls will choose their animals sometimes <laughs> over a relationship. They're like, yeah, no, nah, I'm okay. good. Got my dog. Um, so for a long time, it's I was like, oh you man, it, yours probably feel the same way. Cause they are oh, very yeah. independent. It is.
1: Very. Yes. And it's funny you said that because when Carmen was in high school, you know, we, sh- she showed chickens and, um, <laughs> so we would be, she'd have, you know, a boy that liked her and I'm like, um, you've got to be able to catch those roosters <laughs> before you can date my daughter there you go easy way to weed them out
0: that's it okay now you y'all have left georgia and you are now in snow country so (laughs) that's a little bit different so talk to us about going to a wintry type farm versus a southern farm
1: um so far it's been great. Cause let me, t- like I said, South Georgia was so hot. The last three Christmases, we were still running our air condition at Christmas Yeah, in South Georgia. And you just couldn't stay outside to really enjoy, enjoy your horse a whole lot. You know, the heat index would just be absolutely crazy. Um, but Carmen was accepted to university of Michigan after she graduated from Truman state. She's working on her second master's degree. And she started looking for apartments and she's like, mom apartments in a nice part of town, you know, like a good apartment. It's the same price as a mortgage. And she found this farm and we're like, I'm like, I don't know. You know, so we still had a rental house that we didn't mean to have a rental house, but we we're trying to sell our house in North Georgia from where we had moved to South Georgia. And I was like, that's two places to sell. and. And we prayed about it. We talked about it. And uh, it was time for our rental to either the renters that we had to buy it or, you know, put it on the market. So they decided they wanted to buy that house. We took a weekend, came to Michigan, looked at this place. And we're like, all right, we'll give it a try. I said, if it's supposed to be, God will put everything in order. So the North Georgia house sold. We put our farm on the market in South Georgia, sold in four days. And Brian came here to work. Yes. And uh, Carmen and I packed everything. We got a transport for the horses. Um, Do you see those big semis on the road, like pulling those horse trailers? That's what we rented. We had 10 horses to bring. Oh,
0: my word.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because we had, you know, our rescues, and we hadn't found homes for the ones that were ready to go. Um, So we just brought them with us. And we found some amazing homes for the ones that were ready. And in Georgia, I just don't think they we would still have them, you know. Um, but the weather, like today there's snow. I was, this morning got up and I had to um, plow our racetrack. We have a racetrack on our farm. Um,
0: so, I love that. And then it took care
1: that. of the Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, the racers that are here do the buggy racing and or the cart racing, whatever you want to call it. They have standard breads. Yeah. You know, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I've seen it on TV before, but it is amazing how those horses move when they're on that track. It's just incredible. So you know, do you our have horses tra- are riding horses, so they're different.
0: Yeah. So do you have a um is this just where they practice? Or do you have to host events? Is this kind of like, is it like swim meets where the horses come and you have different heats and everything for the horses? How does that, are y'all just a practice field or what?
1: Yes. Thank goodness. We're just a practice track. So our track is like half mile long and we have um, one, two, four uh, people that have race horses. They, they have multiple race horses. And they, they practice, um, not today though, because it was too snowy um, and too cold. But yeah, they practice here and then they race um, in Michigan, like Ohio, um, Indiana maybe, like Kentucky. And actually there's a place in Georgia too that huh. um, standard reds can go. I don't know if they race there though. But um, I have come to the conclusion That if someone had told me maybe a while ago that you could like stay in your jammies all day and just put on your snow pants and your boots and your jacket and your hat and go outside and do chores, we might have moved a while ago. (laughs) That's funny.
0: Well, (laughs) but that is a real different lifestyle. Did you have any clue when you look at your life right now of this is what you would be doing?
1: No, not at all, um, and and even here we hope to, you know, have programs for veterans and you know people with, dealing with mental illness or their friends, families, um, but it's it's really been enjoyable. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, you're gonna hate the snow. So far, I love the snow, and I have the cutest little John Deere tractor. With a little <laughs> bitty snow pile on the front. And it is so much fun
0: to drive. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean,
1: it,
0: you know, I've never lived rural before moving to where we are now. And so the things that switch to be your priorities, it's like I seriously mm-hmm. considered giving Tom a ton of rocks this past Christmas for the driveway. And it's like, right. That doesn't sound like a great Christmas gift until where you live. Oh yeah. I mean, I can remember with Tori not allowing her to pick up rocks. The thing is, I said, if someone paid for those rocks, you, you have to leave it. You can't pick it up and take it with you. Well, I didn't know how really kind I was being because I just didn't, I just, I was trying to limit the number of rocks that came home with her. But, um, but now that we have to buy the rocks and and do the driveway, man, mm-hmm. it should be a law. You don't pick up rocks unless they belong to you. But, uh, right,
1: exactly. But it's funny the <laughs> yeah, things you learn. Yeah. This Christmas, Brian and I exactly. We didn't. There were no Christmas presents exchanged between us, um, and. We had to get the snow plow fixed, um thank goodness it had a warranty um and then we bought the little tractor, and I told her mustard and we're gonna need a manure spreader So that's gonna be our Christmas present.
0: that's <laughs> exciting, really romantic all right so but at the same time, Sonya, this could invoke stress and invoke it it could if i if I had some issues, some of the stress that goes with this could be huge. And so, do do you see that
1: that, that helps PTSD or hurts? Um, I, well, for Brian, I try to, like, he, he works a job. He works at the coffee beanery um Monday through Friday. So, I try just on the weekends to have... Little things for him to do so that he feels still involved in what goes on here. Um, Like this weekend, hopefully he'll be um, using the tractor to get rid of our manure. (laughs) 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 But yeah, but to him, because I asked him, I'm like, okay, you know, we have to, we have this racetrack, we have the people that, I mean, the way they earn their income is racing these horses. So, even though when there's not snow, you still have to keep the track level and nice. And we have to drag it with the truck with the, like a metal drag behind it. Um, it's like, you know, do you want to do those things? Do you not? So for him, um, when it's the time changes, not getting dark at five o'clock, he likes to go out and drag the track. Cause he can just like zone out. Yeah. You know, just be out there for these, you know, doing NASCAR and, just do his thing and just kind of wind down from the day. And I noticed like, I, I usually have to joke now because of it getting dark earlier in the right. weather. And I think he kind of misses it, even though he won't say that he does that he does. Cause he told um, Carmen's fiance that one of his favorite things was dragging the track.
0: Yeah. I can see that. Oh. Tom loves doing that. He yeah. loves so-
1: doing the driveway. Yeah. Yeah. the same thing with a tractor. He can just get on the tractor and just do his, do his thing and not have to think about anything if he doesn't want to, you yeah. know? Um, but in the beginning, it was a little stressful here. Um, one reason the owner, we had to give him a certain amount of days to move all his stuff and having two people that on one property is just not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that have lived there. Um, but the other day I noticed I don't know what was going Oh, things kept breaking. Like the one of the hot water heaters and one of the barns broke. And then the water froze. And then some other things happened. And I was just like, oh my god I was really getting upset. And I, I don't know what if I picked up something and read it, or maybe I saw something on Facebook, I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like. That devil's trying to steal my joy. So even though all these things were going wrong, I'm like, you know what? It's a hot water heater. We'll just get a new one, you know? And it, it's, it'll be okay. It's like, and it's just dirt. If we mess up the track, it's just dirt because I was stressing about that for a while. You know, you don't want to make it where the, the racers can't practice and it's just dirt. We'll fix it. Everything on this farm, if anything happens, we'll fix it. If we can't fix it, we'll call somebody. And if it gets too much snow, you know, people <laughs> just have to walk back there to the barn. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's oh. a great attitude,
0: but that and that was something I was kind of thinking of. You have to be a jack of all trades. So even if you can't do it, you have to know who to call or who, or when to call. And that can be debilitating and but you have you know, you've you've been a single mom. You've raised three girls, very independent girls, and successful. And um, and I mean, you've blazed the trail. And um, you were an only child growing up, so it was your experiences. You weren't necessarily learning from. The mistakes of a sibling or the successes of a sibling or you know sometimes my kids don't have to experience it because the other one in the family experienced it and so you you've just kind of had all of it and blended so how do you think that your upbringing your parenting has kind of led you to today
1: um when when I was growing up my mom and dad just seemed to be able to do everything. Like if something broke, they one of them could fix it. Like no matter what, even if it was a toy or whatever. You know, my dad he always said that he was a jack of all trades and master or none. And <laughs> it, you know, and he showed me a lot. You know, my parents were involved with me when I was growing up. And they, they taught me so much. We don't even think about it in the moment. But later, you know, my girls are like, Mom, how did you learn to do that? I'm like, um, your grandpa, your grandma, you know, or, or even our grandma, Grandma Mac." Yeah. You know, I stayed with her a lot during the summer times. And you just, it was awesome. You know, we, I did have some foster brothers and sisters growing up. Um, here and there, but they weren't, yeah, we had, um, one, two, three, like, I mean, they were at different times. Um, we had five all together when I was like elementary, middle school type years. And I think having them too, like, and hearing their stories kind of shaped how, how well how I treated other people too because some of their stories I was just like wow like I, I couldn't believe things like that happened to kids yeah you know and I always wanted to protect them except for Lord please forgive me except for the one that was mean to me <laughs> she was older than me and she was mean to me <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you think I mean with your with the way that you were um, raised and and how you were, um, provided opportunities to go and do things and, and the way that your parents disciplined and just kind of the whole everything. Is that pretty much how you parented?
1: I think so. I mean, I was very, um, well, even my first marriage, I still had to be the mother and the father, like, you know, discipline and be the good one and, and everything. And I tried, my best to, um, make sure the girls always had what they needed and my parents always made sure I had what I needed. I got some of the things that I wanted, but not everything. And then the other things that I got to work for. So I tried to do the same with them. You know, some of, I had a friend asked me one time when I was a single parent, um, was I always so hard on my girls? I said, "Why, yes, I am." Always, I said. They're children. I'm the mom. I'm not their friend. Um, They they can reach the washer and dryer. They can wash their own clothes, and it is their job as children to go to school and learn. They don't have to have an outside job. You know, they they go to school, they learn, and it's my job to make sure that they have fun so that they get to be involved in, in things, you know, um, gosh, that for a while, they really liked doing the plays. Um, that was very interesting, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, uh, they, they, they did great. And then, you know, they started getting their own minds and just like any other family, we had issues they weren't perfect, but I always tell them they were, they were the best little kids ever. I mean, if, if I could have like a dozen, like they were when they were little, I would. They, they were wonderful. And, um, and I tease them sometimes. I'm like, yeah, can we just go back to where like I was your whole world? <laughs> and, you know, you did everything with me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And that but, um, that's a hard place to count. be. They I grow can, up yeah and I, I had to be hard on them because uh my first ex-husband they he we left because he got into drugs and selling drugs and things like that, and I told him I said, "I'm not losing my kids for you or anybody else, yeah. and we lived in Florida at the time, and I called my mom and our aunt Bonnie, and they my car broke, of course, so they had to come. And Well, mom, my mom and Uncle Johnny came and got, got us and we packed what we could fit into the station wagon and the truck and left, came back to Georgia. And I, I don't know. Sometimes maybe I have too much of that mother lioness in me. <laughs> but, I don't know, you know Sonia. I mean, you're talking about a really
0: hard decision you had to make and it and it could have cost you everything if you didn't make it. So exactly I mean, that's and, and it's tough, but when you look at you know at the moment you couldn't know where you are today. So you had to Correct. just go with what you knew was right.
1: Yep. And you know, and then you look back on your life and people are like, you know, talk about regrets. And I'm like, I don't, I know this is, maybe it's terrible to say, but like, I don't have regrets because God knew exactly where I was supposed to be, exactly what time I needed to be there, who needed to be in my life during that season and whose life I needed to be in during that season. Um, one of my best girlfriends I met in Florida. Gosh, we've been friends for 30 years, and 19 of those years, I just she I talked to her about God. She went to church with me on and off. 19 years, she got saved, wow. and wow. she's you know still involved in church today. And I was like, if I hadn't have been there, well, where would she be? You know. I don't know, but God, he put us everywhere we're supposed to be. And I just feel like if if I ever say I regret those decisions or think, then that's like telling him, oh, I'm saying that you kind of maybe made a mistake by putting me there. Because he knew, he he knows our whole plan because he wrote it. And I just feel like we need to take what we're given, do the best that we can do because we never know what's going to become of it for us or other people during that time, you know, like I said, and and here I am today, um, you know, I got away from, I've never done drugs. Um, I always just stood firm and like, say when I found out, I'm like, I don't want my children going through that. Yeah. And, you know, and and, and we did have to leave my horse and their pony (laughs) and their dogs. Uh No, um, but it it makes you strong. It also makes your heart hardened a bit during those times. Um, that's one thing too, that Brian and I, when we started dating, I told him, I'm like, I've been through a lot and I don't trust easily. Um, and my kids come first no matter what, you know, they're most important. And I had somebody tell me one day that the, before I met Brian, that the reason I didn't have a man is because I put my kids first. And I told him, I'm like, well, you know what? I'll never date you.
0: Yeah. Well, you just <laughs> fell off the list. Um, But you know, that's, you know, a lot of people don't do that, Sonia. They go, well, I'm important. I got to have me time. I've got to, it's got to be, equal and fair and, and all, all of those things. Um, you don't sound like you have that attitude, but yet you have plenty of time right now of your own, but yet they're still involved Mm -hmm. with you. I mean, you moved for a kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Carmen, that this particular property, one reason we liked it so much, even though we looked at others, um, we looked at others that were way more beautiful Um, but this place had what it needed for our animals, but it also had a a trailer for Carmen, and there's an apartment that Melissa and her boyfriend live in. And Janie, uh, yeah, poor Janie, where's Janie? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so she lives in her cabin in North Georgia right now, but she hopes to move up here by the end of the year. Um, but she she probably get her own, own place. Yeah. Unless Melissa and her boyfriend move out, then Jamie can move in that apartment. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, I mean, and that was the deal when we decided to try to get this place. The deal with Carmen and her fiance is that they have to live here until we die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause
0: I mean, that's the, here we have all this to take care of, but you know, y'all kind of need to to be there to help out. Um right. Not just be left <laughs> on your own with it. But but I mean you've made a lot of decisions, um, it sounds like as a family.
1: Yes. Yeah. We um definitely talked to everybody in the family before we put the uh what do you call it? Like the contract on this place. Yeah. Um because I wasn't just gonna up and leave and not be near my girls um carmen had graduated from truman university and she's like you know i'm probably really not gonna move to Ellaville, georgia Um, she (laughs) said i don't know where (laughs) yeah she's like i really don't know where i'm gonna end up she's you know there's not a lot of opportunity for what she wants to do um down there and And she said she wanted to go to Michigan State. I'm like, well, do you think you're going to settle around that area? And she's like, well, maybe. I'm like, okay. And then (laughs) Melissa was like, well, if y'all move, I want to go. I'm like, okay. All right. So we just put things in motion and here we are.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. All right. What would you tell a family? um, What kind of advice would you throw out there for a family who is uh just trying to make it together and and with that with thinking that you know there's so there was so much when ours were coming along of helicopter mom don't be a helicopter parent don't don't you know give them all this latitude and do all but you're on the flip side of growing them up and they're in young adulthood and have somewhat independence So what would your advice be? What would you tell that family or parent
1: or mom? Always be the parent. Like once they're grown and they're on their own, paying their own bills, then you can be their friend. They need their parent, mom, dad, when they're grown up. They need discipline and they need structure. Children beg for structure. and communicate, you know? So I know sometimes our family hasn't always been the best at communicating, but even, and these days you don't even have to do it face to face, You can send them a text. Yeah. You know? Or a meme. Uh, a meme says a
0: thousand words.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. But just it you know, maybe because the way I was brought up, because my parents were always involved with what I was doing, you know. And they never, like, well, they always seem to to enjoy it. They always seem to enjoy doing things with me when I was growing up that would make me a better person. And I try to do that with my kids. You know, they tried to be at all their soccer games. You know, the band concerts. You just try to be there for everybody. You know, I know with COVID and stuff, it's a little different these days. Um, but it, it, if their concerts on Zoom, make it, be there. You know, even in, with us being a military family, I mean, that, you know, Brian and his soldiers, just being there for each other, because they, they're, they're a family, you know, just like a biological family. And always ask, are you okay? You know, cause, um, you know, my middle daughter, you know, tried to kill herself and we, we didn't live close. She was like four hours away at that time, but just be there. Even You know, we thank God she, she's okay. And now, you know, I'll see her and I'll be like, you okay. Those three words can save life. Yeah, wow
0: if you don't mind, can we talk a little bit about that? Because um, mental health is something that people shy away from and, and, um, and there's sometimes shame involved and, and, um, and I noticed right when she was going through that, you you were talking to people and you were, you were saying some of the things that just don't get said. So what's your, what's your take on that? What's your take on being a mom and, and dealing with the aspect of how you have to play that in your own head and rewind the tapes of looking for signs. And, you know, the, I know that, I don't know, I might be putting my foot in my mouth a lot right here, but, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, do you play guilt tapes? Do you play the, what could we have done differently? Or do you, do how, how did you navigate that? And do you navigate that?
1: Um a lot of prayer. Like I didn't seem lost a lot. Um, because she did live four hours away. When I would talk to her on the phone, you know, she seemed okay. She, you know, I, I did not know um r- anything really what was going on in her relationship. She was married um to her girlfriend at that time and the girlfriend once when it happened and I got there, like she's like, Oh, I guess I should have told y'all like a year ago, Melissa was having trouble. And I was just like, yeah, you should. But I tell you what I did when, when I got the call, um, we were on, Brian and I were on the way back from the airport dropping off one of our exchange students. And we were still a uh, gosh, two and a half hours away from home. Um, so, I just went on Facebook and I was like, you know, I I need prayers and God knows what it is right now. And I just prayed. I'm like, when I get there, because that was going to take me two and a half hours to get home, grab my clothes. And and I had described enough clothes, like for a day or two, because I could wash them in the washing machine Um, and get back and drive four hours um, to her. And I just prayed the whole time. I'm like, Lord, do not let me be angry. Do not let me place blame because it's nobody's fault for her. She made that decision. No matter what she was going through, she could have talked to somebody, you know, she, she's got two other sisters. She, she's got me. She's got, had, you know, she's got friends. She could have said something to somebody. Um, but she was really good at hiding. It. Like I say, I had no clue, really. Um, and I got to the hospital and I could just feel all the prayers. I, I can't even describe how I felt. Um, but I was just clothed in those prayers and I did not place blame on her 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 wife at the time. um, it was just very I don't know. (laughs) Janie, my oldest daughter, she's like, Mom, I can't believe you're so calm. I'm like, well it's only because I got all these prayers. (laughs) And 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 it's not it's not funny, but it it's it was just amazing. And I know that sounds weird to say, but it was. I mean I just felt God was there. I'm so sorry. All right. Got a dog. He was Yeah. You know, he was there through the whole thing. Now what I did get mad about and upset about and it still makes me angry to this day is the hospital has no resources. They're like they would just be, oh, she's gonna be fine, whatever. But there was nobody to talk to about the situation there was nothing we were just in the waiting room by ourselves
0: oh wow and i'm
1: like oh my gosh my child almost died and there is nothing wow. nothing and it just really i, I just can not believe it so last year at this time we were actually getting ready with our church to have what we call soup night. Um, But because of COVID we had to cancel. So soup night and anyone can do a soup night anywhere, anytime, any place we were going to make soup. Um, You come anybody dealing with any type of mental illness. It's free. Like I say it was going to be at our church and you come was going to do it on a Friday night. So, in case somebody needed to just sit there all night long, we were there for them um, so you just have soup together you you talk if you want to talk if you don't want to talk, that's okay. We, you just need us to sit with you for however long we we'll just sit with you, and we were going to you know have resources there, you know uh, to give them and the long-term plan was to also get like um, maybe some therapists to come. So if someone yeah. really needed help that we would have someone there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it got canceled, but um night like, one day will happen. <laughs> we were going to yeah. do it once a month to start with. Um, well, but, just the
0: talking is such a huge, huge yes. piece of kind of sorting through what's in your mind and it not becoming a bigger demon um, than than it needs to be.
1: Yeah. So Brian and I went to a class. Um I cannot remember the fellow's name, but he's a retired military and he uh puts on classes to help you see when someone's in trouble to help you recognize the signs of suicide. Um, He almost killed himself a while back. And his son looked at him one day or on the phone and just, he just said, dad, are you okay? Your voice sounds different. And the gentleman was going to go kill himself when he got off that phone call, but because his son asked him if he was okay, he didn't. And now he's teaching classes to help others. You know, recognize um, signs of suicide and things, and 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 he gives you you know uh, ideas of conversation to have with someone yeah. if you think they're in trouble. Yeah.
0: Well, it just sounds like conversation's the biggest key. Yes, and um, and not to say that y'all didn't have conversation, but conversation and then just um realizing that you can really tell me anything um and be i i was in a class this past week and i never really took this to heart but i tried to take it to heart in this class of not sitting there and thinking of what you're going to say next that you are truly (laughs) truly listening and listening without any agenda or judging or anything. And in this class, my temptation is to hear what they're saying and come up with a solution. And because as a mom, a lot of times that's what you're doing. You're listening to your need. You're coming up with a solution. Let's implement. And then, and, and even if you don't implement, it's like, okay, I've got to process what they're telling me. Go back in my file of anything I remember that might be related and then spit it back out and maybe that's wrong i mean maybe we need a combination of that and then pure listening
1: yeah and like i said sometimes if if someone gives you a clue and it's like okay i'm coming over like and they're like no you know i'm fine like no i i'm coming over you know, if, if anybody, you know, ever just acts weird, maybe sometimes, yeah. Um. not saying if they're just being silly or whatever, but, you yeah. know, um, and but some people are chameleons and you can't really tell what's going on, you know, and so how unfortunately you, from Lotha, I really didn't.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how do you deal with that to where it's not like you're not beating yourself up?
1: God, I mean I I do not know how I would have gotten through or our family would have gotten through that if I did not have my faith. Yeah. No. And I, I I know a lot of people probably say, oh, there's more to it than that, but not not for me. Uh, you know, and I was lucky enough when Melissa got out of the hospital, I was able to stay with her for a few weeks, you know, and 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 just be there. Yeah. I mean, whatever she wanted. <laughs> One of the things that she wanted when she got home was Thanksgiving dinner. I'm like okay. You know. <laughs> so we had Thanksgiving dinner. And you know, what was it, January, February?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that's funny.
1: Oh. Well okay, was it terribly
0: hard that day that you got in the car to drive away?
1: I was so scared. I was so scared. So um, all I could do was pray. Um, and, and there were, you know, friends were gonna ch- her friends were gonna check on her, and at that time her and Jamie you know didn't live too far apart. Um, so you know Janie would check on her and and things like that. Um, and she went back to work, which I think w- was a good thing for her. might not yeah. be for everybody, but for her getting back in you know to some sort of normal routine. Yeah. um was what what she what she needed and and I'm a little selfish I was very super happy when she said she wanted to move with us yeah <laughs> oh I'm sure uh,
0: well yeah. okay are there times that she has to look at you and go seriously mom I'm fine I mean you know because I mean I would just for me I would think I would probably hover more than than They would want or you know I mean I I can only relate that to like physical illness to where I was when Isaac had his situation and then he recovered you know (laughs) it's kind of like I hovered I I was more of a are you all right or should you do that oh you really need to do this you know and then when he got married and you had to say okay I need to tell you all that happened so that you know he uh, Isaac listeners probably a lot of them know, but he had a heart attack at 13. And then, you know, you go through that process of here are the signs when I think he's getting sick again, here's the signs, you know, that happen, And so it's kind of like, to me, that's all I can relate to it. But did you find some of that or do you find some of that?
1: Um, in my mind, but because at that time we lived like four hours apart, um I all I could do was call her and ask her how she was doing. Um, but the shifts she worked at that time there was only like a small amount of time during the day that I could talk with her because she had to sleep. She right. she went to work at like three in the afternoon and worked till like midnight or whatever it was. And so I think that kept me from like Hovering just because I couldn't um, and I, I worried a lot about her, but even she lives down the driveway and I still don't see her very much compared to the other yeah. two. Um, she's, she's more of a loner yeah. than they are. Um, so, but but in the beginning, you know, I did call her every day. Now I'm lucky if I see her once a week. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and I did have a conversation with with her boyfriend um, that lives with her, and I just told him, I'm like, you know, if I hope if you want to be a part of this family, that if you see something happening, you will tell us. I said she never has to know that we had the conversation or whatever, but you know, we're we're her family. And we love her, and we want to help her if there is ever something going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, whether he would tell me or not, I I don't know, but at least he knows that we're concerned if something, you know, were to happen. But she, she seems happier than she was before. Um, You know, she, I just say, are you okay? And she says, yeah, mom, I'm fine. Yeah. So you and just that, go back to those words. Do. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Sonia, you seem to be very much in control of your um, parenting and letting them live their lives, and that—that's a tough, tough aspect to to master. Um, and I know you had some of that, you know, with with your mom and and dad. But, um, but life hadn't always been incredibly fair to you either. And so I don't know if you want to talk about some of this, but sometimes people are very alone and, and you've lost both parents. And so how do you mm-hmm. kind of reground yourself back to family? Cause it's always been very, very important to you. So what, what's that
1: like for you? Um, I know one time I told Aunt Diane that I was an orphan. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm like, I'm an orphan. I'm an orphan. I don't, I'm an orphan of the earth. I said, I don't have any parents. I said, but they're waiting for me in heaven. So when I get there, I won't be an orphan anymore. And she was like, oh my goodness. She's like, you're nuts. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, um, Because I, I, i like this, maybe it's weird. I don't know. I like having friends of all ages. So even like in my past, like after my dad died, I still had um, great couples that the husbands were still, you know, they were older than me. So they were kind of like my dad still. Um, of course not the same, but they were still there to help and guide that kind of thing. Um, and the, when my mom got sick, um, you know, I still had the ladies at church that kind of, I was kind of like their daughter too. So even though my parents are gone and I know, um, when, when mom passed away, I think some of the family got mad with me and I don't care. Because when I got the call that she passed away, I was um, at preschool, teaching preschool. So, you know, I had my cry in the hallway, and then went back in class and told them that um, my mom had passed away. And it was the greatest Christmas gift that she could ever get because she was going to spend Christmas with Jesus. And um, I, I was just at peace. Like I, I wasn't upset that she passed. It was just so exciting now that she was with Jesus and you know, she had her memories or she wasn't sick anymore. Yeah. And you know, some of the family, I just, I wasn't sad. I was just excited. I was happy that she was okay. You know, I, I, I don't think some of them like that.
0: I, I I don't really have any words to come back with because it's like your faith is so strong and I know that it, you have worked it out, you know, and, and I am, um, I'm in awe. I, I'm in awe of, of your faith and the strength. And, um, they're just a couple of threads that seem to go through you. And it's the, the strength of, of, being resilient and independent is the strength of um communication and then you know you you have got your parents poured into you and you're pouring that right back out so, and having community community sounds to be incredibly huge to you so. Yeah,
1: it, it is um and you know on our farm um well we have 40 acres here um and there's way more stalls for horses than we have land to have them because this was a race farm and those horses don't go out to pasture very much. Uh-huh. And we had said, okay, we're only going to have people, this, this many horses is how many we're having. And a group of girls came uh, two days ago. Oh my goodness. Their energy I, I couldn't say no. I couldn't say, look, we uh, can only take three horses, but you have seven all together in their little friend group. And I I don't even know them yet. And oh my gosh, I love them. I am so excited for them to be here. And needless to say, they're whole, all the seven horses are coming. <laughs> <laughs> Sonia can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you now they, they asked me um, like what, what we plan to do with the farm. And of course, you know, we plan to, to keep our racers, you know, we, we want to, to make sure that hopefully this COVID will allow whatever's going to happen, allow them to, you know, start earning a living again. And we want to, to be a part of that. But I told them that, you know, our goal is to work with an organization that's called Cantor Michigan that rescues, um, they take off track thoroughbreds. And then they rehab them and find them home. So we apply to be oh, wow. a foster home for the horses. And then along with that, we do want to start you know, a program for the uh, PTSD, mental illness or whatever you want to call it that, you know, people to come out and um, help take care of those horses.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because those horses, you know, Need, need they need love just as much as the people that come and see them need love and understanding.
0: So, there's definitely mutual benefit there. Um, horse to human and human to horse. Um, have you been involved in looking for any grants or things like that? Um, to facilitate that program?
1: Not, I'm not very good at that. I'm not very computer, you know, savvy or whatever. Um, and we actually we just got to this farm in August, and we couldn't start working on anything till October, till after the other owner, the old owner, left. Yeah. So it's kind of just a whirlwind of oh my gosh, we've got to do certain things before winter gets here. Right. So hopefully, yeah, did you have a checklist? Spring-
0: did you have a checklist for that? <laughs> Cause you didn't know what winter sort of. was.
1: Well, we knew we needed a snow plow and we knew we needed a tractor. Um, Cause our other farm, we didn't have a tractor. We just called the guy down the road when we needed help. Um, so that we knew there were certain things. And um, so, yeah, we kind of did have, a, have a checklist. And then once um, we realized that we needed either like an ATV to help haul stuff, you know, to the horses um, and have a little snow plow um, then we just ended up getting that cute little tractor instead that's so cool because it's got a cab with heat yeah there you go You <laughs> need to come drive my tractor <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah so I think the summertime is actually going to be you know a lot more laid back than the winter
0: yeah I and bet. then we I bet there's a lot you have to do during that season yeah, a lot of the repair work and things that i mean i just can't even imagine wow well you're something else i am i am really i I am in awe i mean i follow you and i look at your your facebook and i'm like she is just a constant go and and there is a can-do attitude about you of you need to build it you build it you need to fix that chicken coop mm-hmm. you're going to figure out how to do it and, um and that to me is very inspirational um for a woman to just go I, I don't have to wait for somebody else to figure out or tell me what to do
1: so i That's like that. it. yeah Thanks. And then you, the girls, and I can come build you a coop because when we showed those chickens, we ended up with, like, 68 show chickens in our basement when we lived in the city.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) I am fighting the idea to have chickens or goats. I wanted to make, like, goat soap and, like, have, um, or goat cheese. We're like, that's, we eat so much goat cheese, and I'm like, we need to start making it. Well, then I found out you have to, like, Keep the goats and lactate. You have to like have a pregnant goat. I'm like, nah, I'm good. Never mind. We'll we'll find yeah.
1: other sources. So yeah, see. So you get chickens. You don't need a rooster to have eggs. So get get some chickens.
0: Yeah, but then we've got coyotes and all that good stuff. And you know, I have eight dogs because <laughs> each kid has two, and a lot of times they're here. Becca says, Becca's got hers in Georgia, but they come here when she's got, you know, something she's got to do. Um, so, yeah, right. I'm, I'm good. And Tori, you know, gets the the dog that's almost horse size. So um, I have about as much as I can handle from for today. We'll see. I won't say never. Uh, well Sonia we've gone all over the place is there something that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure to make mention of
1: oh well maybe one thing um and this is like just because talking about you know our, our parents um if you have vintage people in your life um talk to them get to know them Aunt Diane asked me one time how in the world did I learn to to like can stuff and make jelly because you know I was the youngest cousin and by the time I was old enough, a Grandma and everybody had they stopped doing that. And I told her I said, "Well, um, my vintage ladies at church and YouTube, yeah." <laughs> but yeah, you know, just and everybody around you, you don't know their story. You try to be nice and somebody mean to just like, I'm going to ask them if they're okay. Don't let them steal your joy. Excellent.
0: Excellent. Um, you're not to the point where y'all
1: have a website and things for your farm yet. Are you? No, just the, the Facebook page is um, what we have right now. Okay. What is that? Do you know what your and it's, Facebook uh, it's us. Um, It's transformation farm so we can transform one life at a time.
0: That's awesome. I love it. Let's close out. I have a question for you. If you had one superpower and you had it for 24 hours and you could use it professionally or personally, what would that superpower be? How would you use it? Why would you choose it?
1: Okay. So I've always wanted to be able to orb, you know, um, so that you, know, you can go anywhere you want at any time and I would use it to visit everyone that I haven't been able to see and tell them that I love them. It's pretty awesome. Thank you, Sonia. It's been amazing. Thank you. I appreciate you. it. Down my yellow brick road
0: and to the beat of my own Find Stacked Song. Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast, listen. You'll laugh out loud, you'll cry a little, you'll find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it, from family to philosophy, to work, to meal prep, to beautifully surviving life and hey if I could ask a big favor of you go to iTunes and give us a five rating the more people who rate us the more we get this podcast out there thanks I appreciate it whatever you do it ain't nothing on me because I'm doing my and I hold the key to all my wants my